Before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to let you know that I have got a brand new three-part audio series available to download right now. If you head over to DonnaEed.com forward slash three-part audio, that's all one word, no spaces, you can download your How to Build Your Authority with Podcasting audio series. This is going to address guesting and hosting, so if you're interested in either of those and you want to know how to build your authority, head over to DonnaEed.com forward slash three-part audio. The link will be in the show notes. You're listening to The Wedding Procast UK. I'm your host, Donna Eid, founder of the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors. And today we are speaking to none other than your legal fairy godmother. Heather Stanford Gould is the owner of Stanford Gould and Stanford Gould Online. She helps us lovely creatives with all of our legal contract and compliance stuff that we find really, really boring and dull, but is essential to the correct working of our business from client contract supplier agreements, freelance contracts, insurance and liability issues, GDPR, and all that tedious but crucial stuff. So this is an episode not to miss. Let's dive in. jump into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors will be opening its doors very soon. So if you are interested in becoming a member of the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors, please head over to the website at www.spwv.co.uk and join the waitlist. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am so glad you're here to join me today because today we are talking about contracts. And as the wedding industry is opening up, this is something you really, really should have nailed down by now. So if you haven't got your contract sorted, if you're a vendor that doesn't even realize that you need a contract, this is definitely the episode you need to listen to. I have the lovely Heather Stanford Gould with me today, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about who she is, her background and what she does and then we're going to jump into some questions. So Heather, introduce yourself to everybody and let them know who you are. Hi everyone, it's lovely to be here and thank you Donna very much for inviting me. That's um, it's, it's I think it's going to be interesting and hopefully useful. So uh, my name's Heather, uh, sometimes Stanford, sometimes Stanford Gould, sometimes Gould. You can choose any of those. Um, But I'm Heather from Stanford Gould Limited and Stanford Gould Online Limited. If that's not ringing any bells, then maybe you'll remember the hashtag Your Legal Fairy Godmother, which has floated around the Internet for the last 12 months. uh, And and to be fair, prior to that for a while. But I am a non-practicing solicitor, which is the jargon that I have to use. I qualified as a solicitor in the early 90s and now I work providing legal and contractual solutions to small businesses with a particular niche in the wedding industry. That's me in a nutshell. Obviously, I'm as old as God. So uh, (laughs) there's quite a lot of activity that happened in between those two, the qualification and now. But we might get to that in a bit. That's me. So for me, that was actually what what got me to you was the hashtag your legal fairy godmother. I 
absolutely loved it. I was just like, oh my gosh, yes, the wedding industry needs one of those. So um, it was something that was part of the reason I started the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors, actually. The second wedding I ever photographed as a photographer, the videographer who turned up in a full-on tracksuit with matching trainers to video the wedding and then drank beer at the uh, dinner where we were invited to sit at one of the guest tables, um, provided an absolutely awful video, surprisingly, to the couple. And when I said, did you have a contract? They said no. And it just broke my heart for them because, you know, nothing could make the video better, but they couldn't even, like, fight for their money back already like they had no comeback at all and it broke my heart so it was one of the things and one of the necessary things that you need to provide evidence for when you join the society is that you have a contract in place so I am I'm very excited about this it's it's not many people who get very excited about contracts to be fair (laughs) they're they're not it's not sexy is it as a as a topic it is not a sexy topic um it's not creative which is you know, I think one of the biggest problems for people yes. in our industry, it's not fluffy, it's not Instagrammy, it's not Pinteresty, it's it's all a bit grunty and boring and tedious. Yeah. Um and, and that, you know, and that makes people shy away from it because it's too scary and too boring. Yeah. We'll try and make this a little bit more glitzy <laughs> and glammy. You're gonna and sprinkle your fairy dust. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do some fairy dust. And again, and again, that was that was really the reason for starting to use the hashtag. You know, it was um, you know, how can we make this a bit more accessible? How can we make this a little bit more like the industry instead of making the industry a bit more like law firms? You mm-hmm. know, it, it you know that's that's the key of professional services isn't it is to try and make what you're doing relevant to your customer yeah if you can yeah, get them to them understand the relevance of it you can get them to to partake in it so what was it that brought you to the wedding industry from obviously being a practicing solicitor and now not what was it that sort of brought you to to our lovely industry oh blimey right okay the potted version so I'm a dispute resolution lawyer by background so it, when I was in private practice I used to resolve commercial disputes contract disputes so I was the person arguing the toss the, when something catastrophic usually had happened mm. um, and if I'm honest I sort of got to a point with that where I went you know I've been around this block quite a lot of times I fancied doing something else and so um, long story short I left private practice uh, did a couple of other interim jobs, no, one under one other interim job, and then set up my own business to basically help small businesses with the legal, contractual, operational stuff, the grunty, boring stuff um, that all businesses need, but lots of businesses just do not know where to start with. Um, and I didn't want to be a, a solicitor and I didn't want to run a law firm. What I wanted to do was run something that was simpler, more commercial, more pragmatic, more accessible for small businesses at a much simpler level of delivery, but still robust and also at a different price point. Um, So I set up Stanford Gould with the intention of providing that sort of service across the board for all the marketing gurus. This is like, this is a one of how not to set up a business. I can do anything for anyone, everywhere. I, I, I'm, I'm multitasking, multi-skilled. I can do all sorts. So and that's how I set up. And uh, the wedding industry link came a little bit by accident. Well, as these, these things do, totally by accident. I did a contract for a commercial photographer who um, took uh, sports photography 
stuff and sold it to newspapers, websites and so on. Did a contract for him. And he then said, oh, can you have a chat with my friend X, who was a wedding photographer? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is, as they say, how the story starts. Mm. So I did a contract for him. He then referred me to another photographer and another photographer. Then a photographer said, oh, I've got a planner. And, and thus the snowball started to move. Mm. And, um, and as it did, it sort of became quite apparent that there was no one else really operating in that sector and uh, because I listen to my marketing gurus and coaches and people who tell me what to do I was thinking oh niche niching mm. you know your customer avatar oh right yeah that's that start to make a bit more sense now and, and that is how it started so that was probably about four yeah, it was about a year in so about four years ago started to work with a few people and it just grew and grew and probably um up until pre-covid so you know remember the life we now got bc is now before covid and ac after covid so bc um probably about half of my work was in the wedding industry and half of my work was in other small businesses i mean and as as diverse as building companies to it companies um coaching businesses all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff and about 50 percent was in the wedding industry since covid um it's had a little bit of a shift towards more wedding stuff um mainly because that's been the need and that's been yeah. where I've not just found myself because it was a plan but yeah some of it has been definitely controlled and some of it's definitely not been controlled I was gonna say it but came that- a bit quicker than the, the planned progression <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to be fair, you know, it's it's funny that we're having this conversation this week because it's exactly a week. Uh, no, it's exactly a year ago this week that I first popped my head above the parapet on Facebook and said, mm, you know, this COVID thing and, you know, this frustrated contract thing and this force majeure thing. You want to be careful what you wish for, because this ain't going to be easy. No. And that was exactly a year on this Friday coming, the 5th of March. And wow, um, wow what a year. Yeah, I it's, bet. it's I been bet. quite a roller coaster so obviously over the last 12 months especially I am pretty sure you have seen a heck of a lot of contracts that have come into you that have not been provided by you and have not even seen a solicitor before I'm expecting what's sort of the biggest mistake you've seen people make with their contracts I mean, obviously, as you say, there's a massive range of alternatives. I've seen three sentences on the back of an invoice, which is about the worst scenario you can have, because not only are three sentences completely inadequate, but sending on your invoice is too late. So you may as well not have bothered. Okay, so you get that at one end. And then at the other end, you can have pages and pages and pages of this is how we're going to work. This is what we're going to do. You know, and generally speaking, suppliers are quite good at understanding how they work, what they provide. Um, But it can get impenetrable from a customer perspective because Mm. lots of assumptions are made that you think the customer knows they don't. And there are probably three significant gaps that appear in a contract, whether you're three sentences on the back of an invoice or 14 pages. Um, One is just about the understandability, the user friendliness of what you use, because lots of people think that if you speak like a lawyer, that makes it more robust and more sensible. So you'll have stuff in contracts that neither the person who wrote the contract nor the person receiving the contract has a blooming clue what it's there for and why it's there and what it's supposed to do. So because a lot of people will have, let's face it, 
begged, borrowed, stolen, cut and pasted, extracted from other people's work. Let's just leave the uh, copyright issues about that to one side. But that's how people do it. You know, that is how people start off. They beg, borrow, steal something that looks like what they think they need. And then they add as they go along. So a problem arises, they add a clause. An issue turns up, they think, oh, put something in. And it grows and grows and grows and grows. And very often people do not understand why things are there and what's in there. And in my view, number one priority is that you understand what's in your contract how it works and why stuff is in there because if you don't understand that you've no business sending it to someone Mm. in my view that's a a big problem particularly where something's grown the second problem that arises from that is that you can have conflicting information so you have clauses because they've been added later you can have something earlier that says X about payment and then someone's added a clause because, oh, that time, yeah, that person didn't pay before X. So I'll just add this in. And then the two things don't really talk to one another. Mm. This is particularly true where you've got contracts which say we, we're going to ask you to pay on A, B, C date, which is typical. But their cancellation clauses don't reflect those timelines. So theoretically, they've got a contract that says we have cancellation payments that you have to pay, but they're not holding the money when the cancellation happens and that becomes a real problem yeah. to obviously extract cash out of anyone no matter how brilliant your contract is no matter how fabulous it is if you haven't got that money in your hand when they check out yeah you're very unlikely to see it so that, that's the other big mistake um, and the third thing which is almost universally missing when I see contracts that have been homespun in some way or beg borrow stolen or borrowed or the like is that people never really nail down the right liability clauses, which are the bits that protect your business in the event of it going, excuse my expression, tits up. (laughs) So if if something goes wrong, um, those liability clauses should be fair. And I don't mean they feel fair. They should be fair legally. They should comply with the legal rules there are about what you can and can't exclude or limit your liability for and um, and they should you know they should ultimately protect you and and the, and the real worry for me when I don't when I see contracts which don't have that is that they are probably 95% uh, individuals who are trading as sole traders so for those people it's not just about well the business may suffer a loss they may have to pay out damages if something goes wrong it's your house that's on the line it's your car that's on the line it's your pension your savings you know your flat screen telly your yacht on the drive whatever you've got or not got (laughs) situation it's your assets that will be paying those those claims and protecting that as far as you can and as sensibly as you can I think is like it ought to be one of your number one priorities I think that's the bit that absolutely gets lost in the well we we need you to answer our email correctly and we you know we're we're gonna charge you for mileage and all all the stuff that people understand the bit that they don't understand and you know they're not supposed to they're not lawyers the bit about liability just gets lost so Mm. that bit missing in a contract is very very normal and that's usually the chunk that we properly have to rewrite and redo when someone comes to us and says we need something we've got a blank piece of paper or alternatively we've got this can you review it because we we do both we we will write something for you or we'll review something for you and then tell you if it's okay or um 
or if it needs rewriting or it needs putting in the bin and starting again. And, and all of those options are possible. It's quite scary to think about, actually. And I think, you know, what we said at the beginning, that people like to shy away from it because it's not the creative fun stuff that the wedding industry loves so much. But when you think about the fact that if something goes wrong on a wedding day, which, you know, as professional wedding vendors, we try our best to make sure that everything in our power goes according to plan. But there are always unforeseen circumstances that are outside of of our control. That's why people like me exist, because no matter, we cannot all be perfect all of the time. Stuff goes wrong you know whether you intend it to whether you don't do what you should do whether you fall below a reasonable standard of care which is a proper legal expression forgive me but you know if if you if something goes wrong it can do no matter how brilliantly you do your job it can do it can go wrong for me it could for you you'd want to think that your contract would at least be armory it can't protect you completely but it is armory that you can use in defending yourself and your business and your assets if something goes wrong which isn't your fault or if something goes wrong which is your fault you just got to put your hands up and go yeah, I'm really sorry. I cocked that up again. Not a legal expression, <laughs> but you know. But in that situation, this limited number, you know, amount of money is what I'm going to pay to you as a result. Now there are lots of hoops to jump through in this, but I, you know, I've had customers, I've had photographers who have lost digital images in IT nightmares. Yeah, and you know, th- this is going to be a familiar story from you know, f- if not for your experience, but certainly something you will have heard. That's your nightmare as a, as a photographer. Biggest you know, nightmare. I lost panicked about it all the time. My backups were unreal. <laughs> well, and and the reality is that if you can't get those photographs back, you clearly, well, almost certainly, you probably you are in breach of contract negligent. I'm going to be slightly less um, absolute about that, but most likely you are. Um, and in that situation, the couple would be entitled to compensation. Now, if your contract is silent on that, um, the starting point from a customer's point of view is going, right, well, we'll just get everybody back together and we'll reshoot the wedding. Okay, mm. We'll hire another f- photographer, price. We'll hire the house price we'll hire the cars price we'll hire the dress the suits price we'll get some flowers price we'll get people to take time off work price you can see how that cost could snowball into a very significant amount of money just to rerun an afternoon of a photograph shoot Mm. but that would be in theory the liability that you having cocked it up would be responsible for yeah you'd want to limit that in some way in your contract and um that is you know, very much a a very real practical example of someone in the wedding industry in that scenario. That's why you need a good contract and that's why you need proper liability limitations in it if you can. Yeah, I completely agree. So on that note then, you often hear the phrase, you know, the contract's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, Would (laughs) you say that a contract is something that, you know, a creative person could write themselves with no help from a professional like yourself? Right. The strict answer to that is yes, they could. Should they is a different question. Okay. Mm. So I would say um, anybody can write a contract. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to come from a legal source to be enforceable. It can be three sentences on a piece of paper and it can still be enforceable for what it's worth. But I think if you are running a sensible business and particularly now in the post COVID era, where if your customer says, can I have your services or your goods? And you say, yeah, no worries. I'll be there on the 1st of July. And you don't send any paperwork. 
you don't send any contract. You don't send any terms and conditions. I'm sorry, but I think your customer is going to go, what sort of outfit am I dealing with here? You know, we've all seen the news. We all know what's going on with cancellations, frustrations, CMA. You blooming name it. People are challenging it i think um you know if i my view would be they were looking at those things before covid happened but since covid has happened it's become even more important because customers are being very cautious about who they and how they hand their money over to because what we've learned in the last 12 months is the unthinkable can happen Mm. and has happened and has led to lots and lots of people losing out financially not just customers suppliers as well yeah. And the purpose of a contract is not for that never to happen because no contract can be watertight. You know, I get asked that all the time. I want a contract that's watertight. Well, I can't, can't give you a contract that's watertight. I can give you a contract that's good and robust and will help you if you have a problem. But, you know, trying to do it yourself is, in my view, a false economy because the amount of time you will take pondering, thinking, wondering, what shall I put in? Do I use this? Scouring the internet for someone that looks like you, trying to find their terms to cobble into something for you. You think about the time that that takes and how much more productively you could use that time doing something else for which you might be paid. Getting a contract template or a bespoke solution starts to look, A, attractive financially because of the time payoff, and and B, get it right. I think it's incredibly difficult to to do that if you do not have some legal training or experience. You know, there are plenty of people who, you know, are not qualified solicitors who are perfectly capable of writing a good contract. You do not have to have a time to understand and have experience and knowledge to be able to do this but generally speaking I think you get what you pay for and and to be transparent to people listening to this you know there are all sorts of options out there for solutions at the one end there's templates and they're generic templates there's websites you can go on to find contracts for services contracts to supply goods contracts to supply goods to consumers completely generic could be widgets could be flowers could be planning services doesn't matter could be building services mm-hmm. and the price points for those probably under 100 quid probably more like 50 quid you buy one you download it all sorts of time has to be taken to fill it out then you have more specific templates that are more um bespoke to your industry and that's what we do and then you have some more you know a bespoke service that you might say well actually i've got i template before but now things have moved usually how you deliver has moved and changed so now I need bespoke services and the price point for that is probably 200 to 700 pounds in that sort of price bracket you know not just for me I mean for generally for people like me doing what I do and then your business might evolve again and your needs might evolve and you need the full service law firm solution and the price point there is probably a grand to five grand and the reason for that is simple because law firms charge partners who do this at anything from 250 to 500 pounds an hour and something takes 5 hours that's how the price is worked out. Yeah. Someone like me who charges I don't know between 75 and 150 pounds an hour is still 5 hours of time the price point is according. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the real problems for customers is that they don't know that all these things exist they don't know where they need to be in those different solutions yeah. and they're terrified that it's going to cost a bleeding fortune so you know i'm quite transparent about how costs are 
set up and why they're charged at that rate and, and about not just what I do but about what the options are and then people can make informed choices yeah I would suggest if you're a business and you can't afford a template solution under 100 quid to do what you do you should look at what you are spending your money on and say am I prioritizing this over my Facebook adverts or my Instagram boosts or all sorts of things that you know people spend significant sums of money on and say well you know do I have to do a bit less of one thing for a month in order to get this right yeah yeah I would say that wouldn't I because I'm a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a lawyer and I think anything you can do to protect yourself and to protect your clients has to take priority over getting more clients because every client you get if you haven't got that contract in place if you haven't got your insurance in place you're increasing your risk absolutely that absolutely is scary yeah for every single person you take on yeah it's another problem you're storing up for yourself hopefully not but as you say risk yeah yeah so what are your top three tips when it comes to contracts for people? What are the top three things that you would say, you know, with your contract, this is definitely what you should be doing? Have one. That would be my starting point. Have one. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, even going to laugh at that because it's so true. There's so many people that don't. Yeah, well, I, I, I talk to people. Oh, yeah, I've been in business for four years and I've never had a problem. Lucky you. That's yeah, fab. Lucky. That's you. really fab. But that is luck. It's not about running a business properly or... Um, or protecting yourself so top tip number one have one have one in writing those two things are important they don't necessarily always <laughs> all together but have one and um, I generally say you know that it, it's got to be as I said earlier it's got to be something you understand it's got to be something that you'll use do not be afraid of producing those t- you know your terms your contract to your customer and saying we're a professional operation here this is what we're going to do. We need you to sign this. People get ever so scared that producing some sort of contract is going to make people run a mile. Now, if you produce something that's 12 pages long, 14 appendices and a glossary of terms at the end, yes, it probably is. And I don't recommend. But if you've got something that's straightforward, understandable, you understand it, and then they can understand it. And it looks the job. It looks like you've properly done it people will not be afraid of it they will be reassured by it they will not make them go away it will make them actually buy from you Mm. because they'll go right there's someone who's serious about what they're doing and is and a contract is not just about protecting you as the supplier it is about protecting the customer as well it should be a two-way street it should be even it needs to obviously comply with all the consumer stuff which is bespoke to the particular thing that you're doing but it needs to be fair whether you're whether it's a consumer or otherwise, you need to feel that you can justify what's in there, whether it, it's a consumer or otherwise. So I think having it, having one, having it in writing, having it uh, in a form that you understand, using it at the right point when your customer comes to you, those are absolutely the keys of getting this stuff right. You can have a contract that's been written by the best consumer contract law lawyer in England. That's not me. Shall I just, I just add that in? Yeah, your legal fairy godmother. I'm not the best contract lawyer in the, England. But, you know, you can have a QC who wrote you a contract. If you don't use it correctly, if you don't provide it to the customer at the right point in the process of onboarding, it's useless, mm. pointless. You may as well not have bothered to spend however much money you spent doing that. So it is all about using something. Start with something simple. Start with something at the cheaper end of delivery, because, you know, God knows 
no one's got any cash at the moment in the wedding mm. industry. I totally get that. You know, people say to me all the time, well, I'd love to have X, but I can only afford Y. That's fine. Just start because you can always swap up and change it. If you've got nothing, you absolutely must start. I'd be surprised that there was a wedding business that couldn't seriously look at a template solution for it at whatever scale of the scale, you know, between zero and 150 quid that you couldn't look at finding a solution to help you to do that and then work your way through you know you don't have one contract and they'll never change it ever again you know most businesses can't review their contractual arrangements probably every 12 12 months to two years two years is perfectly reasonable pre-covid because you know contract law doesn't change a lot what usually prompts the need to review a contract is because your business has changed what you do or how you do it has changed. And that's the bit that usually requires a review. Mm. If you have not had a review of your contract since COVID hit, I strongly recommend that you do do that because uh, if nothing else, the provisions around force majeure, third party intervention, what happens if the contract cannot be delivered, that has changed quite significantly. So that definitely needs to be looked at if you haven't done it already. But that's the challenge, I suppose, for, for us all is finding the solution that works best for us in the now, but knowing that that might not necessarily be the solution for all time. And, and how do you go about moving up that chain of complexity, if you like, from simple template to full service law firm if, if you ever need to get there and what are the trigger points and hopefully that gives your audience some idea of when they might need to think about doing this if you've got nothing get something if you've got something you haven't been looked at since this time last year get it looked at again if you've had something since this time last year you're probably okay but it's probably worth having another look after this season has concluded because let's face it all the current people that you're challenged by or love to work with or are thinking about booking, they're probably already on your old terms and you can't do anything about them. But moving forward into 2022, if you're starting to book people for future, hopefully non-COVID affected weddings, you probably want to do that on a decent set of terms, a decent contract. So now's the time to, to bite that bullet and get something yeah. in place. Brilliant. That's such good information. So, I mean, you've, you've pretty much covered, you know, my final question, which was to talk about at what stage somebody would look at going for a more bespoke package but talking about sort of the change in circumstances but could you sort of touch on what those kind of circumstances might be because I'm thinking along the lines of maybe if you expand your team and there's more people in your team your contract might need to change or um, if the way you deliver your service so what kind of things might lead you to to go for a more bespoke service okay so quite honestly having additional people in your team probably won't need a change to your terms and conditions with your customer. That's good to know. <laughs> because you should have a contract for services. That's a technical expression. And one of the features of a contract for services is that you can substitute someone to deliver those services. So if you're a photographer, for example, and you take on a second shooter to help you with a wedding, you shouldn't need to change anything in your terms with your customer about having extra people or other people to go and shoot the wedding. And it's not a bad idea to set that expectation for a customer in case they think you're going to rock up and Mr. Bloggs rocks up and they go, where the hell's Donna? Mm-hmm. I, I think you need to set that expectation, but contractually you don't need to change. You will need to think about what your contract is between you and the other people in the team. 
is it an employment arrangement or is it a freelance arrangement? And you will need a contract accordingly. But insofar as your terms and conditions are concerned, that shouldn't need to change anything. The sort of things that do trigger change are price increases or changes to how the price is paid. So typically you'll have someone who pays a deposit and then either a middle stage payment and an end payment or just an end payment. If how you want to be paid changes because you need to swap how your cash flow works, for example, that needs a change to your terms. If you um, start to deal with not just consumers, but you start to deal with businesses. So if you are, for example, a florist and you've done weddings and then you start to take on some more commercial deliveries, the terms that you can have in a commercial contract are different to the terms that you can have in a consumer contract. So you might want to look again at what you are doing and how that might need to be tweaked. That's typically. So it's it's more about how the services are delivered and I suppose to some extent other things around liability. So if your if your insurance broker advised you to have slightly different coverage because your business is different, then that would need a change to your terms. This is a particular t- trigger at the moment because a lot of businesses are you know let's say let's say bespoke stationery provider they've been creating stuff making stuff selling it to consumers not a lot of that's been happening in the last 12 months so they've gone right I've got an idea I'm going to teach people how to do this so they start to create online courses maybe a uh, an event where you know obviously not in person but maybe in due course they start doing a training delivery Mm. um Hopefully they've spoken to their insurance broker and said, you know, I was doing A, X, A, B and C, but now I'm additionally doing D, E and F so that their insurance has changed. They probably need to go back and just check that what's in their contract looks and feels right. And, and if they haven't got a contract for that different sort of delivery, you might need to come back and say, right, how do I need to change what I've got or do I need something separate to do a different sort of activity in my business because insurance and contracts are inextricably linked yeah um if you don't tell the insurer that you're doing something different you're probably not insured no matter what that document says Mm. if you don't reflect that in your contract then the contract's not doing the right job for that part of the delivery so that's definitely a trigger that would mean you probably need to have a look at it and in general terms i say a review every 18 months, a couple of years, it's probably sensible, probably won't need to change anything significant. But if you have not had anyone look at what you've got since this time last year, I strongly recommend that now's the time. And especially if, and I know quite a few people in the industry have pivoted slightly and Mm. have done things. So you're talking about stationery, you know, people that then go on to do sort of business graphics for businesses that would entail a different element to the contract additional terms or something or a different contract entirely and then like you say the course thing that's something that I've sort of mentioned to people before right back in the beginning how five different ways that you could make money during this time is to teach what you know and again that needs another contract or or changes to your current contract. So definitely if you haven't looked at it in the last 12 months, and especially if you're looking to carry on with any of these pivoting activities that you've done, get your contracts checked. And 
with that being said, Heather, where can people find you? Um, I know you are extremely busy at the moment. I saw my email respond to when I emailed you yesterday, but where can they find you? Where can they find your templates? Because that's probably the okay. place for them to start. So, so that's, the, that's the easiest solution, isn't it? Templates. So um, we have two websites. You want the stanfordgoldonline.co.uk website. If you go there, you will see across the top, terms contract templates there's a drop down list and there are currently 12 different templates for 12 different suppliers planners florists cake makers caterers vas you name it we it's there mm. and uh, there will be another three added sometime after easter and we've got plans for another three before the summer so then there will be you know 24 absolutely nailed for that particular type of delivery style contracts for wedding suppliers only. We are not a general template solution. We are specific to this industry. We've also got other templates on there, which we've been asked by customers to produce. And so we've added them as we've gone along. And some of those are templates for emails when you're in a bit of to do with your customer about cancellation slash frustration yeah. we've got things for planners who typically called the the linen contract but basically you know if you if you hire in kit at a special rate but you want your customer to be responsible for if it gets broken damaged or uh, or lost then there's a contract for that uh, and we've got a contract for online teaching and training services all of those things are on that page and um, if you are looking for a contract review of something you already have, we do do that. But my availability, as you rightly said, is quite limited. We've got a waiting list for that sort of activity. By all means, happy to do it. Um, prices for that and how we work um, on bespoke contracts are set out on stanfordgould.co.uk. But if you find one site, you'll see the link. Very, very obvious link. It's me in a red dress uh, and a fairy wand. And you go, <laughs> oh, yes, that's what I want. Not not any of this corporate nonsense. <laughs> Give me the girl in the red frock. No. Uh, if you click that, you can whip around between the sites. You don't have to keep finding it somewhere else. But my advice would be start with the template site, stanfordgoldonline.co.uk. If you cannot find what you want there, you can message us. We've got you know all the usual social media channels. If you find the hashtag, your legal fairy godmother, you'll definitely locate us. And we'll try and help you. Fortunately, now I have a team, an SG, team SG. Oh my God, that was that's been such a godsend. I can't tell you the fabulous Catherine VA, and I've also got an assistant paralegal called Giselle, and they are a godsend. So if I can't do something, I can hopefully one of those can answer a question, and we will try to get to you. You just have to be patient. Yeah. Um, there's 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 a lot of stuff going on, as you can imagine. It's been super busy. Um, we're going to be making some announcements over the course of the next few weeks about how we're going to change some of what we're going to do and deliver it in a slightly different way. And, and on top of that, you know, we're we're all, you know, you can listen to some of these podcasts and interviews and Zoom calls and everything. You know, you go, wow, those people are just so on top of their game and they're so doing this and that and the other. But we're all fighting our own personal battles in the background, yeah. be that homeschooling, be that the challenges of being locked down, be that loneliness be that imposter syndrome be whatever those things are and I'm no exception so I'm you know juggling plates behind my business front as well as you guys are and and that inevitably affects how and how many things you can do and how quickly you can do them so I'll only say that you know it's challenging for everybody and just bear that in mind but we'd love to um to try and help and the template solution is just go on 
decide what you want, pay with PayPal, the thing downloads, you are away and gone in a minute. That's what you want to do. Nice and simple. Brilliant. So all of those links will be in the show notes, guys. So head over to www.spwv.co.uk, head over to the podcast and you will find it all there for you and it will link straight through to Heather's stuff so thank you so much for your time today Heather I really really appreciate it I think it's a fantastic episode and so very well timed um, given that the industry is opening up so I really appreciate your time today. You're very welcome and good luck to all of those suppliers as we start to get going back to some normality because my goodness me we're all ready for it so crack on do your brilliant things uh, but please don't forget about this boring grungy stuff in the background for me. Thank you very much, everybody. I will see you again next week. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by the Society of Professional Wedding Vendors membership, a membership that recognises wedding vendors for their professionalism and high client care. You can find out more at www.spwv.co.uk. Don't forget to hit those stars and leave a review of the podcast where you listen if you found value in what you heard today. It's a free way you can help the podcast reach more people just like you.